1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. So, we, we talked, we talked uh, uh, some about the anxiety last week. Let me, let me just look at this thing of, of, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. It's an interesting way to put it. He says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. That this is something that we are supposed to be about ourselves, humbling ourselves. Because if we don't, I'll tell you as a believer, God arranges for us to be humbled. He arranges for it. And I've seen this several times in my career. I'll give you an example. Uh, God really blessed my career. He blessed my career with good funding, good grant support, and things like that. And I started to, to think, well, you know, why do people have such trouble raising grant support? You know, if they just write more proposals, it would work. Well, then my grants stopped coming through. I wasn't getting renewals. And the things that I was sending in weren't getting funded. To the point where, where I had to get some assistance from the department to see through the students that I had. And I repented before God, and I gave my life back over to the Lord in the sense of, of saying, Lord, let me not judge others. And then the grant money started coming through. It's interesting what happens in our lives. When pride starts to come in, God in His grace will start to, to, uh, um, start to deal with that. Because, because uh, uh, the alternative is what we had talked about last time where it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That in the Greek, apparently this reads, I don't read Greek, but I can, I can read commentaries which, <laughs> which are written by, by scholars. And apparently this, this says, it says, God against the proud arrays himself. God against the proud arrays himself. It's a frightening thing. So God deals with us so that we don't have to be absolutely clobbered in this. I've seen this sort of thing happen in my life. So he says to us, humble yourselves. Watch yourselves. Humble yourselves. Because, you know, if you don't, I'm going to deal with it, God says. Because he doesn't, doesn't want us to totally destroy our lives. Because pride can, can really list, uh, result in real problems. And, and uh, so that, let's, let's then read on. Because we talked a little bit about that last time. Let's read on in verse 8 now. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so he says, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Be of sober spirit. So in other words, he says, you know, you, You've got to grow up. You're a believer now. You've got to change the way you do things. There was a, a woman 
visiting not too long ago, visiting our home, and she and I were in graduate school together. And my daughter wanting to know what I was like in graduate school, because we met the first year in graduate school, which was, I was engaged at that time, but, but uh, uh, that first year in graduate school, Shuri and I were engaged, but we were not married. She was in New York. I was at, at, in another state studying. And uh, she said to Sabrina, cause I, and I was anxious to hear what she was going to say. What was I like when, when my first year in graduate school? And she said to my daughter, she said, what you see in your father right now is exactly how he was. He was very serious. He was serious about the Lord. He was serious about his work. And he was focused, very focused. And, and uh, um, you know, I, and I thank God for that. I had gotten good training from men when I was an undergraduate that taught me. And, and the Bible tells us to be of sober spirit. We, we, can't, we can't act the way that we used to act. We have to be different. Just this week, uh, a man came and visited me on Friday in my office, and he had just contacted me a few days earlier. He and I were in the same research group when we were graduate students. I was a couple of years ahead of him, but not that far ahead of him. And uh, uh, he went off into industry. Uh, uh, he went to Eli Lilly Pharmaceutical Company and rose to be the vice president of the company before he retired about seven years ago. So he retired about seven years ago, and he's younger than me. And uh, he started his own, his own uh, pharmaceutical company after that. But um, as I sat with him over lunch in the faculty club, I said, you know, Tony, one of the things that I regret is I never clearly shared with you the gospel. He says, you did. I said, I did? He says, yeah, you did. You shared with me all the time. <laughs> and I said, I don't remember. I said, well, and because I don't remember, I have to share it with you again, right now. <laughs> and so I shared it with him over the table, uh, over lunch. And so he tells us to be of sober spirit, even in the young age that you are in. There's a seriousness for the Lord that needs to come in. We can't just be happy-go-lucky in the Lord. There's a seriousness and a purposefulness that needs to come in in the Lord. This is something that we need to take hold of. And uh, he says, be of sober spirit. And then why is that? He says, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The Bible really is quite clear about the activities of the devil. Now, I understand, I understand that if the things of the Bible are new to you, if you've never really taken the Bible very seriously, it's hard for you to take the devil seriously. If you are an American, if you are from the Western world, if you're from parts of Asia, you mention the devil and people who don't know the Lord at all, or you mention demons, I mean, they really respect these sorts of things. You don't mess around with this. They understand this. But for Americans, we're above that. We don't, I mean, come on, demons, devils, I mean, come on, you, you don't really believe that. And, and uh, I remember when I first moved into a discipleship house with some guys, they were talking about, about uh, uh, demons. And I said to one of them, I said, you believe in demons? And he looked at me. Now, these guys were further along than I was. I was, I was quite new in my faith. And he says, if you don't believe in demons then you don't believe the Bible. And the Bible is, 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 talks about this all the time. And at that instant, my beliefs changed. Just by that word. 
Because then I said, that's right. It's all over in the Bible. You don't believe in demons? Just, just go ahead, tear out every page from your Bible that mentions demons or the devil. You're not going to be left with much Bible. They're all over, especially in the life of Jesus. What you see in the life of Jesus is enormous demonic activity was confronting him. Before Jesus and after Jesus, it's, it's more normalized to what we would see today. But, and we know that because it says when Jesus was here, the devil was thrown down. I mean, he was just pouring it on. And then, then as soon as Jesus leaves the earth, you see the occasional de- dealing of demons between the apostles, but we're talking years of gaps between those occasions. But they're still there. One day, when Shireen and I were fairly newly married, we were driving across the country, and, and, uh, um, and you know how doubts come in? And I'm thinking, you know, I wonder if demons really are active today, you know, are they... they Probably not really active today. And we're just driving. You know, I'm driving. I don't know, Shireen, I don't know what she was probably sleeping. And I'm driving. And, and the highway, because of construction, closed down to one lane. Closed down to one lane. So I'm driving down this one lane. It was like 45 mile an hour speed limit. And, and I, I, was, I was, you know, quite observant of speed limits in those days. Seriously, I was. And then a truck comes up behind me, and here as I was just thinking, the demon's really active in these days. A truck comes up like a nanometer behind my bumper, this truck, and blows on the horn, and I look out in the side view mirror, and there is a guy with his head out the window and his fist screaming at me, I mean violent. So I speed up a little bit, you know, I'm going to 50, 50, and he's just there just screaming. Here I was wondering, are demons really active in these days? And I get a guy right behind me that is like filled with a bunch of them. And God, God just, just underscored for me that these, guys, these demons are real. It's because of my grace that I don't allow them to affect you that much. But you were wondering, here you go. How's that? And I remember finally, this was for miles and miles. It was one lane. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't pull over nothing. Finally, I, I, we, it opens up. I move over, and he goes by honking his horn. And, you know, truck horns are really loud. And, and so, so uh, these are real things. I understand if you've not been in the Word of God, when it mentions the devil, you wonder, is this really serious? I have come to believe that every word in this book is true. Now, when I share the gospel with people, I never try to convince them that the Bible, the whole Bible is true. No way, because you don't have to believe that in order to be saved. The Bible is very specific. In order to be saved, you've got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he has risen from the dead. You have to believe in his physical resurrection. Those are the requirements to be saved. You don't have to believe everything in the Bible. But Jesus said, Jesus said in John 7, verse 17, he said, If anyone is willing to do my will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. If anyone is willing to do my will, he will know of my teaching, whether it is of God or whether I'm speaking for myself. It's as we do the will of God, we come to believe every word in the scriptures. As we do the will of God. 
as we do the will of God, we see that this is so true. Exactly what it has said is coming to pass. Exactly as it has taught. Exactly as it has instructed. So we come to believe that every word in the word of God is is true. As we obey the word, as you obey the word, you will come to believe it all the more. So if you doubt the truth of the word of God, may I posit that it might be because you're not obeying it. As you strive to obey this word, you will come to embrace it all the more. So it says, it says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary says that you have an adversary, your adversary, your adversary. There is one who hates you, who desires your destruction. And if God were not there protecting you, you wouldn't last a minute. You would not last a minute if God were not protecting you. If you have come to know the Lord, if you have received Jesus' resurrection and embraced that and proclaimed that He is Lord, there is the blood of Christ over you that protects you. The enemy would love to destroy you. And this is why you see people who have believed and have embraced this, they're not going to lose their salvation. But when they rebel against God, their lives turn into an utter mess. Those that rebel against God their lives turn into an utter mess. And I've seen it on many occasions. Everything begins to break down. They lose their family. They lose their children. They lose their job. It falls apart. And they, they turn and they become, you see, you see they, 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 they're not their sweet selves anymore in the sense that this impression that you have of them as believers, when they start falling away, I mean, their lives change. And I've talked to men who have fallen away and then come back to the Lord and they're like, I was just wretched. I was a terrible person when I walked away from the Lord. There are things that the enemy will do. And God allows that. He allows the enemy to do that in order to bring us back so that we can see how wretched we are. He says, you have an adversary, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, as I was meditating on this, I was thinking, when a lion is prowling to devour, they're not roaring. And I thought, when a lion roars, you can probably hear that a mile away. Probably a mile away. So what did I do? I googled it. I wanted to know how far away can you hear a lion's roar. And it says that, that in the African wild, they can be heard five miles away. Five miles away because it's a very low frequency. And the low frequency travels much further. It's a very low frequency. You can hear a roaring lion five miles away. And then I read about these lions in city zoos. That they say their lion can be heard five miles away in the city. In the city. Sometimes you're, if you're at Rice, you will hear the animals at, at the zoo that, that's a, a, about a mile away. You will hear them. And, and, and uh, a lion can be heard five miles away, it says. Now why, you know, it's interesting that this prowling lion is roaring and you can hear the roar from far away. 
Now, I don't want to make a theology on this because certainly, certainly Job was not expecting the devil to hit him and it hit him. But one could say from this that in general, in general, maybe there's a heads up before the lion comes approaching. If the lion really is prowling while roaring, maybe we get a heads up. And I think of it many times in my own life, that there are certain things, there are certain warning signs that something is coming. There's warning signs. If I'm not paying attention to the Word of God, I'll tell you, there will be warning signs if you do not diligently, regularly, and I mean daily, be in the Word of God, there will be, there, there, there will be some real disturbances in your life if you do not regularly, regularly take hold of these things. If you're not daily in the Word of God, it is very hard to remain close to the Lord. Very hard to remain close to the Lord. This was told to me very early on in my, in my young Christian life. It was told to me that, that uh, if you stay in the Word of God every day, you remain close to God. If you don't, you won't. And I committed. I'm talking within the first few weeks of my being saved, committed to reading the Word of God every day. Every day. That's something I did. And I read, read, read portions out of the Word of God every day. And then about uh, a year and a half after that, I started on the regular pattern of reading the Word of God from beginning to end. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, through the Revelation 22, and picking up where I left off the day before. And going through it systematically. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just telling you my normal pattern. If God wanted you to do that, if, if, if that were a requirement, he would have said, read this book from beginning to end in that order. Now, it happens to be a book from beginning to end in that order, but, but uh, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to follow that pattern, but what it says, you need to be meditating on the Word of God regularly. Every day, it puts it two ways. Every day and day and night. That's it. Every day and day and night. Multiple verses talking about that. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Psalm 1, Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2. Uh, um, uh, it talks about this meditation on the Word of God every day. Every day, we're in the Word of God. And, and uh, uh, this, these are the, the, the types of things that, that we are instructed to do every day in the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 97 through 100. Every day in the Word of God. That when we take hold of these things, then there is a blessing. And associated with daily being in the Word of God, there is a blessing. There is a promised blessing always associated with daily in, daily in the Word of God. And uh, that's what it says. So it says, be sober. Be sober. He says, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I mean, he's looking for someone to devour. Now, he's a roaring lion. So we, 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 are, we are warned by this. We get a heads up. Because we can hear him five miles away. There are signs in our life. When we start neglecting certain things in our life, things take hold. I'll tell you, if, if you start neglecting the Word of God, if you start neglecting Christian service, if you neglect Christian service, you'll, becoming, you'll start becoming more and more selfish yourself. Yeah, you'll see more of yourself come out. It's in service as we serve others. There's blessing in serving others. 
every time we obey the word of God, there is blessing. So it's not like you step out of your door and, and the enemy pounces on you. We do have signs. There are often these warning signs that we get. And this is, this is what he's talking about. There's a roaring lion. We're having these signs here. Verse 9. So how do you deal with this? It says, but resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. But resist him. How do you deal with this? You resist him. You do not give in. You resist him. There are steps you take. When you start seeing things start fraying around the edges, start withering around the edges of your life. I'll tell you what I do. When I start feeling any distance, when I start sensing any distance between me and the Lord, I will immediately go into prayer. I'll leave my office and I'll go to the chapel on campus. I fall on my knees and just spend some extra time with the Lord. Fasting. Fasting was, was something that I've done many times in my life in order to get closer to God. And you say, well, it's fasting is hard. Yeah, it's really hard. You know, some people really like fasting. Not me. For me, it is a hard thing to do. You know, after a day, I've got headaches and, and uh, um, you know, it, it's hard to work and hard to think. After three days... My knees and my joints start hurting. But it's an amazing thing in the presence with the Lord. You spend three or four or five days fasting. When you finally come off that fast, you will feel so much closer to the Lord. There's something that happens in that. This is not my instruction. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible instructs us to do. Spend time with the Lord. Spend extra time with the Lord and renew that thing. Don't let anything come between you and the Lord. You know, sometimes you, you see that with people, that some, something's coming between you and your boss, or you and your spouse, or you and one of your children. Don't let anything happen between you and the Lord. Go back to that, because He is always there. I guarantee you, you are the one who's shunning Him. One of the quickest ways to get that sense of separation from the Lord is to sin. You go into a practice of sin, you will get separated from the Lord. He's right there. You have moved away. You've moved away. Um, so so this, this, is, this is the practice, that we, we are to be with the Lord. And it says you are, you are to resist Him. How do you resist? It says you resist Him firm in your faith. Don't start doubting this faith. Be firm in it. And it's not just a fight. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. It's in prayer. It's in prayer. You're asking God to help me. If you go through, you know, on, on my website, if you go to jmtour.com, all the way to the right under the, 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 the personal topics, there, there's, there's the, you can click for, for uh, 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 audio files. Under the audio files, there's scriptural sexual ethics. If you struggle in the sexual domain, which in my experience, is the biggest area of struggle for young people. Now, some young people don't struggle with it. You're in the minority, if that's you. The majority do struggle with it. In the sexual domain, go through that, that, that teaching on scriptural sexual ethics. It's six parts. It's got part one through part six. The way you listen to it is part one through part six. If you just jump to part six, it won't make any sense. 
and it's just like 30-minute lessons, six of them. So it's like three, three and a half hours of, of audio. Just listen to that. Because in there are prayers to help you to overcome in the realm of, of sexual problems. There are prayers that you pray rather than resisting because if you merely resist in that, you will end up fighting within yourself and it, it, it's just eventually going to explode. Learn to pray these prayers and you will see the hand of God and the hand of grace come through on that. There's just the hand of grace that comes through. So there's a way of dealing with these things. He says, but you resist. Resist Him. Firm in your faith. There's things that you don't do. You resist. There are places you don't go. When I wanted to start walking with the Lord, there were people that I couldn't be with anymore. You say, well, I'll be a witness to them. There were some people I couldn't be a witness to them. They were more of a witness to me than I was to them. They would pull me away from the Lord much more than I would pull them to the Lord. That's for somebody else to be the witness to them. It's too hard for me. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will be a witness to them. And I've done this many times with women. Women many times will ask me to, to counsel them or something, and I'll say, I'll get some woman to counsel you. Or our church has, has professional counselors. And I'll send, because I don't counsel other women unless my wife is right next to me, and even then reluctantly. And my, my wife knows it. I'm squirming around. I, I'm not comfortable, count, I'm not counsel, comfortable counseling anyone, but particularly women. This is none of my business. And I don't want to know about her marital struggles. And I don't want to know what's going on between her and her husband. i got enough of my own problems without taking their problems upon me. I am a chemist. I deal with molecules. They are well behaved. They do the same thing every time. I know exactly what they're going to do. People are just very hard to figure out. Human behavior is, is not like, like, like the molecules that I know. As soon as the molecules start doing biology, I don't understand it. And, and, and uh, um, so there's people I am not around. I have to be careful. I have to be careful of things. I have to watch my life. And there's people that you know will draw you astray. Resist them. Resist them. And you resist them three or four or five times, and they'll stop coming around and asking you to be around them. You say, well, I've lost them. No, God will send somebody else to be a witness to them. God will send somebody else to be that witness. Just pray to that end. Lord, send somebody, because I can't do it. And he understands, and he'll send somebody. Somebody will be a witness to them. Because we have to resist. This is part of, of the work. He says, resist them. He, say, he says, but resist him firm in your faith. It's your faith. Firm in your faith. And know that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. You are never alone. I tell you, every struggle that you have, other believers have had. When you go through that scriptural sexual ethics, I go through there and I list the struggles that I have had in the sexual realm. It's embarrassing. But I listed it because what happens is, particularly young men have contacted me and they're like, wow, when I went through that, it helped me because I saw you went through the same thing and look at what God has done with you. You're not alone in this. You're never alone. If you think that, that you have this, this unique sin that nobody else has struggled with, you're wrong. 
There's, no, there's nothing unique, and there's people that can overcome in this because salvation is not a sham. We don't have to bow to these things. Salvation is not a sham. There is victory in Christ, and that's what I teach in that, in that, uh, in that lesson in the Scriptural Sexual Ethics, that there are ways to overcome. There are specific prayers that you can have to overcome in this. So he says, he says that, that uh, um, there's others accomplishing this. He says their same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by, the, by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So he says, after you have suffered for a little while, suffering is always temporal. It is always temporal. You say, well, some people have have died in their suffering. Yeah. And once they die, no more suffering. They're with the Lord. Suffering is always temporal. It is always temporal. It is never forever. Suffering is not forever. There is relief. He says, after you have suffered for a little while. So in God's eyes, no matter how long you suffer, in his perspective, it's a little while. Because he's placed us in eternity. So when you think of eternity, it goes on for a long time. It goes on for a long time. So we're here. You know, I was, I was talking with one guy, and I don't like to say whether I'm new earth or old earth creation. I was talking with one guy. He says, you know, you, you know I'm a young earth creationist because I just can't believe that God has us set in 14 billion years of history. I said, that's like a nanosecond compared to eternity. If you accept that there's an eternity, he's set our lifetime here as a very little sliver, very little, within all of eternity. So, in the sense of eternity, everything is temporal that we go through here on earth. And he says, for the God of all grace. Grace is an undeserved gift. The God of all grace. The God of abundant undeserved gifts is right there. Right at the end of this time of suffering, He is, God is sitting there with like Toys R Us. I mean, just grace ready to be poured on you. So much grace to be poured on you. That's what it says. After we suffered with a little, for a little while, the God of all grace who called you. It is God who called you. You think you came to the Lord all by yourself? You're wrong. The only reason you would be in the Lord is because you've been called. There's no way. Remember, the Bible says there is none who seeks after the Lord. In Romans chapter 3. No, not one. Not even one. None. God has called you. If you are in the Lord, God has called you. Who called you to His eternal glory in Christ. He called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Everything is in Jesus. I'll tell you, every good gift that we have is because of Jesus. Love Jesus more and more every day. Love him. Every good thing we have is because of Jesus. He is the best in every way. There is no way we could approach God, no way we could even look toward God. He is so awesome. It is only because of Christ. Only because of Jesus. He is the light through which God's light shines into the world. He he is the prism through which God's light shines into the world. He is the funnel 
through which God's blessing pours into our lives. It's all because of Jesus. If we live, it's because of Jesus. If we, if, if we excel in anything, it is because of Jesus. To you, His eternal glory in Christ will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. All through this suffering, listen what's at the end of this. At the end of this is perfection. He's going to confirm us. He's going to strengthen us and establish us. This is just, just waiting. This is in, in all His bag of blessing for us that, that awaits us. This is the beautiful things we have, and we have them because of Jesus. If you don't know the Lord, I urge you to know the Lord this day. If you don't know the Lord, please give me this opportunity. Come to me, tell me afterward, I will meet with you. We'll meet right after this class, right now, and, and, and I'll spend some time with you, and you'll come out knowing the Lord, and you will be very different from this day. Please give me that opportunity. If you know the Lord, take hold of these things. You may have to refrain from being with certain people. Realize that, that if you feel that you're becoming somehow a little bit estranged from God, that's, God's not estranging Himself from you. You're estranging yourself from God. Spend more time with the Lord. Press in. Fast. Pray. Spend time with Him. And that, that relationship will be renewed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, blessed be Your name. Forever and ever you are good. Thank you, Father, for all good gifts come down from you. And they shower upon our lives because of what Jesus has done to open up this relationship that we can have with God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making a way. For your own body and your own blood have made the way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for these young people that you would give them victory. Father, I pray that they would learn to humble themselves and that when they are being humbled, they would recognize this is from God and thank you for it and get back on the path of following you. Father, I pray that they would learn to resist the enemy, resist the devil. Father, I pray for your grace that they would hear these, these roarings of the lions and they, they, they would act upon it so they need not be destroyed. Father, I pray for your grace upon these young people. Let them seek your face and let Jesus Christ be glorified in their lives. Thank you, Lord God. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.